Phase World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based mini-series releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, on to the show. Hi, everyone. This is Faye from FaceWorld Media. And today I have a very, very special guest. I just used two varies because I've been wanting to interview and chat with Anya Rosina from Restream for a long time. I was definitely first a user for a long time, you know, for Anya And actually, Restream is one of the proud sponsors I have on YouTube. We are going to dive into so many different topics today. In particular, we want to talk about how live streaming, especially using Restream, but live streaming in general can grow your business and exactly how to do that, you know, for content creators and for, for example, podcasters, YouTubers, speakers, authors, uh, people you see on LinkedIn, you see on YouTube these days. So um, I will say there is a part two with Anya, but I think we're going to tease out some of the information related to sponsorships and how that generally works for creators. So please stick around use chat, use live chats. And if you guys hop on at any time, just drop us, uh, you know, drop us a note. And if we don't get to your questions now, I'll be sure to, to follow up afterward. So welcome, Anya. Thank you so much for being here. Faye, thank you so much for having me. It's, uh, I'm super excited. Oh, first of all, I love your background. I have no idea that you're going to have this sort of sunshine background. Wait, is this like a new creation I've not seen before? Yeah, this is relatively new. So we, we're using this um, kind of like a selfie mode. But if you use the wide angle thing, you'll see like there's even more to to Ooh. this uh, background situation. Yeah, oh, like you see how you back in and swap us. Yeah. So like I have all the plants that are just hanging out with me here and like my little lightsaber, at least that's how people refer to it. And, uh, you know, a couple of other things in the background. Yeah, that's the new background that we create. It's actually a tapestry. So it's not, uh, it's not painted. Uh, it's kind of like a elegant solution to make sure that we can change them around because we feel like it's important to kind of set the mood for different seasons and different shows and situations. So yeah, yeah. that's my superhero sunshine behind my back. <laughs> Absolutely. So w- where are you currently located? Oh, yeah. Uh, we are in Austin, Texas. So this is where our headquarters is. We have two major offices at Freestream. One is in Austin and the other one is in Kiev, Ukraine. So kind of depending on what you're working on at Restream, technical mm-hmm. side or more marketing, sales business side, you're in probably in one of those locations. But of course, nowadays the world is pretty global and our team is actually very spread out. We have people in San Francisco, in Canada, in other countries in Europe. And um, of course, a lot of people are just remote. So it's a, it's a small-ish team, but very global. Yeah, you guys are super powerful. And I mentioned this to family, friends, other content creators. And I always tell them that Restream is literally one of the most solid, you know, sponsors out there. And I know that you, Anya, you're the head of um, influencer marketing over there. And for people who are not uh, as familiar with your title or what that even means, could you give us like a, a high level view of what it is? 
Yeah, absolutely. It is a very strange title. And whenever I talk to people kind of outside of Restream or social media or live streaming world, it is kind of difficult to grasp, like, what does it even mean, influencer marketing or influencer marketing manager? So my mission at the company is to build relationships with content creators, opinion leaders, and trendsetters, and educate them on the power of live streaming in general and how Restream is the perfect tool for that in particular. And then we build relationships around that, around their creativity, around their channels, what exactly they can do, and basically make sure that they help us spread the world, uh, the word about our product to their communities and everywhere around. So that's, that's the idea. It's kind of um, infiltrating internet and just digital space with ideas about live streaming and restream in particular with the help of talented creators and opinion leaders that are out there. Mm, it's so lovely. And I'm going to ask, just add in one more question that we're going to dive right into live streaming, which is a lot of the brands are still thinking, sort of in the old days, you know, you see Coca-Cola even back in the day, it's, we're going to hire talent who's only here to shoot and, you know, a piece of advertising. Um, but instead, Restream is so proactively working with other content creators. You guys even, you know, let other creators to live stream right from your own platform, you know, 30, 50,000 people. Why share the platform? Why is it important to work with other creators as opposed to just hiring people where internally manage everything from Restream? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and I actually rarely hear it kind of positioned that way, but this is, uh, there are two sides of that story, right? Number one is it's a little bit of a hack. When we started with uh, influencer marketing, it was a very small team. I was basically the individual contributor in there. So I didn't have many people and I didn't have the capacity and the resources of actually like managing this whole family of creators and content. But the content was very needed because these days people definitely do see a lot of advertising. People probably still watch TV and there are other ways how they consume information. But let's mm -hmm. face it, most people are on social. And if you want to get in front of them, you got to work with opinion leaders on that social platform. And especially for someone like us, who has a lot of platforms that we support, uh, that's, that's kind of became the key. And the part, the reason why we wanted to open up our channels for select creators uh, was because we wanted quality content. We wanted it from people who already have their audiences, who could introduce them to us. And mm -hmm. we wanted to become that hub, that Netflix of content creators or creator economy. And it was just kind of a natural solution for that. Invite the best creators, open up our channels to those who pitched great show for us and mm. build on that content, build on that brand awareness and also encourage and empower creators that we sponsor to do better and to learn and to improve and to grow their audiences accordingly. Mm. When we talk about live stream, actually, uh, you know, sometimes it becomes this household name to me in my world People, I would say, within my mastermind, on my email list, pretty much everybody knows what live streaming is. But I have to respect some folks out there who are thinking like, what exactly is live streaming? Are you talking about NBC? Are you talking about gamers exclusively? Like, how do we actually define live streaming these days? That's a very good question. So there are definitely a lot of different definitions of what live streaming is. And I think, first of all, we kind of need to break it down into two major categories. Streaming content when you are the consumer thinks that you would stream on Netflix or that NBC example when you're streaming uh, sports live on TV channels. And mm -hmm. streaming when it's more of an outbound effect thing, right? Like when you are creating content and you are offering it in real time, live for your audiences and followers. So Restream is covering the second part of things. So we're not in the business of streaming content from, from other channels or other networks. We allow you to use our very simple and user-friendly tools to become a broadcaster yourself. 
And that's, um, that's the number one important distinction. And then when it comes to different industries, uh, yes, historically streaming was very much associated with video games and gameplay was the most common type of content to stream. And I tell you why, because it's easy, because video games are dynamic. They're beautiful graphically. They are, they already have a storyline most of the time. And you don't have to create all that stuff. All you need to do is just play. And for a lot of people, it's fun. You know, it's relatively easy. Some games are more complex than others, but generally it's pretty easy to just follow follow the, the, the line and the flow of the game. And that immediately creates great content. So that's why historically gamers were the ones who kind of pioneered the live real-time interactive content on social. But of course, fast forward to 2021, we see people from all industries who are benefiting from that same idea of real-time, trustworthy, authentic, two-way street communication. Com- something's coming from you as, as a broadcaster and something is coming back from your community in the form of live chat. So that's what Restream is doing. Oh, it's so wonderful. And I have to say, you know, I was evaluating a lot of, I would say, in your world competitors, but Restream just um, surfaced to the top. And um, what's really incredible is uh, I made the decision in May 2020, which I've mentioned to you, Anya, that uh, it used to take so much time to uh, record produce, post-produce these episodes, launch it to, you know, Anchor, Lipson, whichever platform. And you have to wait because you have a schedule and you have to tell your guests later on. And I made a decision last May to basically go live with all my podcast shows. I made the announcement on social media. I held myself accountable. I started to tell all my other, especially um, publishing authors to do the same leading up to a launch event. And the results were just phenomenal. I could easily say that my viewer audience were tripled. And frankly, for people who are watching this, I am not a technical, I mean, I study computer science, but I did not really have the patience or frankly, the time to learn OBS and, and just figure out all that stuff. And Restream for me, it just plug and play. You know, uh, there's an easy way to update titles and description across, you know, more than 30 different platforms. I only use about five of them. And it's just seamless. And right now we're streaming right from um, basically a Restream studio. So right from the browser. Um, so yeah, Anya, like what, what was it like for you to kind of hear this type of feedback to learn that, oh my gosh, they're podcasters and authors, all these people using Restream. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, you, you kind of, uh, you kind of, you're spot on when you mentioned that uh, it is a lot easier to create content live versus recording, because I do that too, quite a bit. I actually create a lot of series for just a small short videos where I explain one specific feature or one specific use case of Restream. It's primarily for my own community on LinkedIn, but sometimes the Restream marketing team picks it up and we share it kind of like on a more global scale. But the it's it's insane how when you compare the amount of time and effort that it takes you to create a 90-second video where I just talk about some small feature, like how to invite a guest in Restream Studio, for example, versus mm-hmm. when you go live and have an interview with somebody or have a little masterclass on how to use the tool, which are both types of shows that I do. Uh, definitely pre-recorded content takes a lot more time and effort and live video is a lot easier to start with and to create. It takes a little mm-hmm. bit of courage because a lot more things can go wrong, but the audience mm-hmm. is much more forgiving. So because people accept and appreciate your vulnerability of showing up and just just doing this. And definitely most social media platforms uh, that Restream supports do favor in their algorithms, the live content over the pre-recorded content. 
So true. So you're also benefiting. The thing that you mentioned earlier, how your audience was growing tremendously and how you met, you noticed a lot more engagement from your community. It is because live videos are prioritized. And so it's easier to produce. It's uh, much more authentic and interesting for the audience. It's a two-way street. It's interactive. And it's also benefiting you as, as a creator growing on social media. So I think it's kind of like winning all around. Yeah, it's a win-win for everybody. And the authenticity part is really important. Um, you know, I, I want to display real quick, for example, uh, Don Africa, you know, right now in African Kenya, it's 6.40 p.m. who's tuning in and telling me about, you know, how uh, he or she is using Restream on YouTube and Facebook. And it's very true that I started to notice how uh, all these social media platforms were favoring live stream. And when you guys think about it for a second, it makes total sense because live stream means that it's it's there. The interaction's right there. And if you have questions, you can ask it. And as you can see, you know, we can actually display the chat and as well, which is really interesting to me. This is something that even a year or two years ago, it's something that we have to, you know, purchase so many things, spend a lot of money, kind of just mush everything together and expect them to break during a live show. But now it it, it just works like this. And um, I'm learning so much about myself, frankly, and I kind of want to kind of pivot into the mindset a bit because I was not comfortable on videos uh, for a long time. I'm not sure about you, Anya. Um, I've been on YouTube since late 2019 and kind of working on my courage from recorded content to now this is live content. And I have to say that it sounds kind of jarring, but once you've done it a couple of times, it feels quite extremely comfortable <laughs> for some reason. So, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I have to say that just in general, for anybody, no matter what your abilities and skills and expertise is in, going live is always a daunting and, and very intimidating experience. And the reason is because you always have about 100 different things that you think are wrong with you or will yeah. go wrong with the stream. And there's a, those are two different categories, of course, but the combination of them can be really defeating. Uh, you, you mentioned, like for me personally, I definitely was not originally comfortable on camera. I started live streaming when I joined Restream. I have never done that before. I did work a little bit as a journalist, but it was all, of course, pre-recorded. And like you mentioned, it's a lot easier when you know you can screw up and you know the editors are going to make you look good and are going to fix everything. And when I started to go live, I realized that I'm kind of lo I'm losing that ability, that option to undo or cut certain things. Mm. So it was definitely a daunting experience and you know a lot of self-conscious moments. Of course, English is not my native language. I moved here from Europe. And of course, this idea of being a foreigner trying to broadcast things mm -hmm. and acting as a host was was terrifying. I thought like, do people even understand what I'm saying? This is crazy. And uh, a lot of people have all this kind of reasons. I don't look good on camera. I don't have the right equipment. I sound weird. I hate the sound of my voice. Mm -hmm. And of course, with all of those self-conscious moments and all the scary things that can happen, that can go wrong, the internet will fall out or, you know, your lights <laughs> will break or anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, there's like, there's, there's this scary space where you can put yourself, but you can always remember there's always one reason to go live, right? And for different people, that reason can be different. Some people mm -hmm. are really passionate about their product. Others really want to hear from their community and build those feedback loops through chat messages. Others just feel like this is the new way of building your brand and either personal brand or product. So just focus on that one reason that makes you think that you should go live and Trust me, all these hundred reasons that make you feel like you're not going to make it and you're not cut for this eventually will go away with experience. Give it a try 10 times and you'll be a pro. 
Mm. And for people who are watching right now, you can leave a message. We're not going to see your face, I promise. And it's so exciting what Anya said. And I wonder, you know, if you have any fear, let us know, you know, what it is. If you're an immigrant living in America or anywhere else, you know, I, I was really concerned about like, will people understand? Not even, you know, I know I don't have too much of an accent, but there's certain things and, and points of references. I honestly just don't know because I never, you know, grew up here. Um, yeah. But just keep in mind what I learned about live streaming or, or podcasting or YouTubing in general is there's this secret place of storytelling. And because you didn't grow up in America, let's just say, you have such unique perspectives and stories to kind of bring into this side of the world. And I think with so much going on in this world, um, I feel that we're obligated to actually share our stories um, so that people can get to know a little bit about us as opposed to what they see or read in, in uh, mass media. Um, so let us know your fear. Um, we're here to support you. And, you know, we've got the tech stuff covered. Um, but also one thing, I, you just reminded me as you're talking about, you know, this equipment and we don't need that. And all of a sudden, you know, we have this thing now. It's happening in real time. What I learned about using Restream is that I don't have to give up anything else I'm doing. If I want to edit the content, I can edit that by downloading those easily. Now you can get the audio tracks on two separate tracks. For those of you who are podcasters out there, you're going to love it because you can, you know, balance, let's say Anya and I use very different microphones. Uh, we are, I think our volumes actually match pretty well, but sometimes you interview people, one person's much quieter. You can do all of that in post-production. Plus, you know, for me, I repurpose all my live streams to my podcast, which has been running since 2014. We have nearly 300 episodes and I sometimes crop some of these videos and I put it on TikTok for under 60 seconds. And all of a sudden I tried a whole new audience, same thing for Facebook, you know? So yeah, it is so exciting all around, I must say. Yeah, yeah, totally. And to kind of like rewind a little bit back to the accent thing and just like, you know, being concerned about like being different from this iconic news anchors. I, I definitely had a lot of fears around that. And eventually what I learned is, um, about accents specifically is that you can actually get rid of it if you want to. It's just a couple of months with a speech therapist and, and you can sound as whatever anchor you like. And I thought about this very seriously. I thought about this. And then I realized that in the saturated world of different hosts and different types of content, actually sounding weird and having a little bit of an accent or some kind of like a foreign glare to you is, is a benefit. It, it makes yeah. you stand out. You, you are different. And now when I'm appearing as a, as a guest, like I'm, I'm here right now, like it, it becomes like that interview that stood out, like, oh, that foreign chick that, sh that said something about live streaming. So a lot of times, whatever your self-conscious fear, little thing that you're really concerned about, sometimes that can be turned into your advantage if you think about that. For sure. And I, I love this is, you know, this is the part that you bring up. I know that Restream works with a really big variety of influencers, which is something I absolutely love. I mean, you know, heritage, different skin color, and it's just, it's such a rich environment. And for all of us to learn as content creators, um, but Anya, I never really ask you, you know, where are you from originally? And you talked about your career, but tell us a bit about your upbringing too, before you came to America. 
Yeah, sure. That's a good one. Uh, so I typically ask people to guess where I'm from because it's always very funny to hear the ideas. And I get all kinds of countries, uh, literally from Australia to to Argentina. Like I got the whole globe covered. My most common guess is probably Norway, Sweden, like the Scandinavia, which is close enough. I was actually born in Russia, in Moscow. So most of my life, I grew up in, in Moscow, which is the, one of the biggest cities in in like European part of, of Eurasian continent. And definitely, definitely very big, like New York times two or three, um, if, if you think kind of like in American cities. And yeah, it was just uh, one of those things. And I moved to United States when I was 24. So I was basically adult by that time. Like most of my you know, like shaping and forming already happened uh, back in Russia, but my family was very international. They were they were uh, ethnically Russian, but they were both very passionate about traveling, and they were taking us everywhere. And like English was a thing from very early on. So we both learned. Me and my sister we both learned English when we were seven years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, so it was kind of that that kind of interesting environment of uh, of being Russian, but also thinking very Western. And mm-hmm. I kind of knew that I will eventually go. And like probably elsewhere, not necessarily because I don't love my my hometown, Moscow, but because I wanted to see more and I wanted to explore and experiment. And yeah, Austin became my home because I just came here and fell in love. Yeah, I heard great things about Austin. Uh, mm-hmm. So many people are moving there. I think Tim Ferriss is one of those, you know, who left San Francisco to move to Austin. Uh, wow, what a journey here. And it is uh, definitely, I would say, it is definitely a benefit of, even talking about our upbringing. That's something, by the way, that I encourage other people to do, but I feel like I've gotten to a point where uh, I'm confident to actually maybe use live stream um, to create another channel, to talk about my upbringing. For the longest time, you know, I always assumed that people wouldn't care because growing up in Beijing, China, also a huge city, is so personal to me. And who would care? But every time I've gotten on the podcast, it's probably been 20, more than 20 uh, at this point, that's everybody's first question. Uh, what was it like? You know, so I think yeah. we're sometimes wrong about our own, you know, it's, that's why there's called assumptions. So, you know, get yourself out there. And uh, thank you for sharing, Anya. We, we, I don't think yeah. any of us really knew um, that much about you. And uh, hopefully in our next gathering, we can hear more about your stories too. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think it's very important to give uh, some kind of a personal touch to your content. Because it's very easy to get lost in this, okay, this is my brand, this is my personality, this is my company, this is my thing, mm-hmm. and just kind of like focus on those. Uh, a lot of tech reviewers make that mistake. They kind of focus on technology, right? Like they are the, his or she is the girl that knows the cameras and like that's the thing. But it, a lot of times when you add something personal to it, something about your life, something about um, but what really, what do you care about? Your passions, your hobbies, something that's aside from that persona that you create within within that uh, channel, mm-hmm. it actually sparks a lot of interest. So I, I really like your, you kind of like where, where you're coming from with this, like, hey, what, how how was the growing up thing going? How is that Im- immigrant life? Like what are, yeah. what are some personal uh, pivotal points that uh, led you to where you are today? Yeah, I think, frankly, it also says a lot about Restream, right? I think Restream could have easily picked somebody from New York and not just anywhere in the U.S. and have your, not cookie cutter, but, you know, someone who represents a live stream community. You know, um, I think we know what they are. You know, I think Instagram is a place where you see kind of 
bunch of oceans of sameness, but yet they picked you. It actually says, a, it speaks a lot to me as an immigrant creator, um, right? To see someone and interact with on a regular basis. And Anya, you're basically the face of Restream. And that's a very popular app in America. So I really love that. And then in a way that, you know, surprise, surprises and delights me in many ways. Um, but I would love to get into a little bit of the growing your business part, because uh, what I've seen is, you know, you using, you use Livestream to talk about new features, things excites you about Restream. Um, and uh, what do you think are some of the things and lessons that you've learned as live streamers or content creators doing really well, that's actually boosting their businesses, you know, really driving engagements as opposed to paying for views, paying for email lists. How do I actually nurture and build a community? Yeah, that's that's a big question because uh, I would say at the end, there's no one formula that would work for everybody because it really depends on the type of content that you're working with, the type of goals and kind of like ideas, like what do you consider a good result? So there are a lot of creators that appeal to massive audiences. One of the things that work for those is being entertaining, being funny and kind of like jumping on those trending waves of like, what's what's the new thing? What's the next new thing? Mm-hmm. And a lot of those channels, uh, you, you find they, they have millions of followers, millions of subscribers. And generally speaking, uh, getting to that level almost always means uh, hard work and dedication. You will most likely run some kind of paid promotions to gain those followers and subscribers. Mm-hmm. You will have to network a lot in order to get some help from other bigger creators before you get to that level. And then you become that creator that everyone wants to partner with and, and kind of like right. piggyback on your, on your success. So there's a lot of that stuff, but they're also niche creators. And kind of to follow up on something that you mentioned about like, you know, cookie cutter, New York, perfect uh, live streaming host or, or somebody like that. Restream as a tool was primarily designed for creators who are not necessarily professional video editors or hosts. Uh, Restream was designed for people who have a message to deliver, who have a product that they work with. And this is just one of their marketing tools. It's just an avenue for them to to put it out there, to connect with their communities. So in in that context, when you think about creators in in that space, uh, think about niche creators, people who are specializing in something that they are experts, that they, they, they have a lot of knowledge about. And this is that pool of sharing those skills, sharing the knowledge and like building around that knowledge and that brand. And this is what Restream is primarily all about. We do have big, big creators who use us, of course, uh, from different industries. But the core user base for us are, you know, that uh, church. Uh, I, I saw that in the comments, there were uh, comments about like how Restream is a great tool for churches. The church yeah. that wants to, call, to contact their uh, aggregation. People who are using Restream to promote uh, physical products, who do product launches and behind the scenes. People mm-hmm. who run events, you know, different brands who show how um, how the culture and work looks like at their place, like HR professionals. So there's so many different different aspects to that, and for for those people to grow their community and and, and create content that that builds engagement is to know your thing, like know your stuff and be that expert and definitely make sure it's interactive. Make it a two way street. Include people in the conversation, and that's what usually helps to grow. The, the engagement and the audience and the subscriber list. Mm, yeah, that's definitely the way to go. And I think, you know, that there's power in terms of just sharing a link, an image. Here you are talking about your product. 
And your product can be anything. You can be the product yourself. And, um, you know, what I love is as we're talking, you know, in the description below, if people want to try Restream, they can. And the link is there. They can learn more about future events. It just feels so natural because you're um, providing value first and foremost. So I love that. And, and Anya, I want to really chat with you also about the consistency, right? So I know that people go live at different times. There may be babies running around. There may be other obligations. So I personally, I confess, I really want to get on the schedule. But at the same time, my guests are available at different times. So sometimes I don't. We will talk about pre-recorded live in a second. It's so super exciting. I'm going to be using that like three times in May. I'll, I'll speak to that in a second. But uh, what are, what's your take on going live consistently, say on a Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time versus kind of going live more spontaneously? Yeah, yeah, totally. So uh, I would say in my personal experience, consistency definitely pays. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the kind of like cool metrics that I, I have to back this up, uh, aside from my own just like very personal perception of this, is that since we are uh, working with a family of about 16 content creators currently who stream to restream channels as guest hosts. We mm. do track their performance. We do track like how they how they do and what shows do better and how many views they get on average and what's the total count. And I can tell that the number one, number two ranking hosts are the ones that have been going live on restream channels for the longest time. Mm. So people are used to seeing them there. They're used to their style. They're used to the type of content and the, the value that they bring. And they are the ones that are rating really well because people people expect them to be there and they kind of know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And then also the shows that happen weekly generally trend better than the bi-weekly shows because we have two types. We have the uh, folks who go every other week and people who go live every week. And it was actually one of the experiments that I did personally with my shows. I had Friday live show, which was on Fridays, but every week it was arguably not the best time because on Friday, people are generally checking out and like not really interested in anything except for the happy hour stuff. But at the same time, the show was gaining momentum because every Friday people knew that it's going to be an interview. I'm going to be there. I'm going to host it. And the new show is actually on Wednesdays, 10, 11 in the morning. Um, and it is definitely like high profile guests and everything. But because it's every other week and sometimes we have to shift things around for guests, just like you mentioned, to accommodate their schedules, it definitely gets less um, engagement and viewership, even though we promote it hard and the timing is arguably better. Mm-hmm. So consistency pays in in my opinion, in my perspective, but that doesn't mean you have to go live every day and you have to be like super anal about like the timing. You can move it around a little bit as long as you let your audience know what what changes every time and as long as you train them to expect this type of content with your style happening on a regular basis. Yeah, beautifully said. And I, I noticed there's something about you, which is why it's always been so pleasant to work with you, is that you're very flexible. I don't think you've ever forced, you know, I, when I say you, I think about Anya is restream, restream. <laughs> you know, you, right. you never quite force any ideas like you must do this, content creators must do this. And we'll, we'll get into the, the sponsorship content creation in a second. I think so many people have um, different questions like how did Restream even find you? How how does this all work? Um, but I want to just talk briefly about pre-recorded live, guys. This was, oh my goodness, 2020 until today. This is like a lifesaver. So one of my favorite features remains today, the pre-recorded live um, along with overlays. You know, I'm not really going crazy right now with our layout. But here's the reason. Um, I'm someone, you, I'm running a business, so I'm, I'm fairly busy. 
And I noticed as a podcaster, and I, you guys are as content creators, you know this. All of a sudden, there's one week and you have seven interviews. And that is a hell week. I mean, it's a very happy week connecting with interesting people. But all of a sudden, I'm going live seven times a week, sometimes often twice a day. Now, I know that's not really doing my audience a favor. Um, you know, people are busy. Here's the thing. I can easily, and you can too, record all these seven different interviews. You can do that right from Restream Studio without going live. You have this recorded and then you save this piece of content. Then you go to pre-record a live. You can schedule them live at whatever time that you choose to. Your schedule, Wednesday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, done. I noticed that um, that will really help you create consistency and the schedule and that really works. Now there's a second scenario that was life-saving is in 2020, I worked with a lot of musicians and artists. So now they don't want to, they know they can all sing together on Zoom. Zoom doesn't sync video audio at all. So they really want to give their audiences um, the best, you know, the same uh, quality of performance, different instruments. So I helped a bunch of companies to put together these pre-recorded live and edit that. And then it just seamlessly go live on Restream across different channels. And there are like hundreds of engagements from Japan and all, you can choose the time easily. So yeah. my goodness, I, I don't know. I never really told you this, but it's, it's huge. Yeah, yeah. Pre-recorded and scheduling videos to go live was another, it's kind of Restream way where we're trying to do when the company originated five years ago is to kind of like hack the system here and there. There was a lot of solutions that we were coming up with. It was like, all right, people want to live stream on Twitch and YouTube. Um, at that time, Facebook Live was just coming coming around. It was very new. And of course, no LinkedIn was even around. Twitter he just came up with Periscope. So there were like all these platforms that were kind of realizing the power of live video, but YouTube and Twitch were by far the biggest. And the idea was like, okay, so of course you want to go live on Twitch if you're a gamer. You also want to go live on YouTube if you're a gamer. Why would you choose one or the other? Why not you go to two places at the same time? And that's kind of how the concept of multi-streaming was born within our, our founders. And then the scheduler was also part of this thing like, okay, so sometimes you want to create a perfect video and then, but still benefit from those algorithms that favor live video. And sometimes you did go live like we did today, but of course the audience of, of yours that prefers to consume content on Saturday are, is not going to see us because they're busy, they're doing something else. Right. So rescheduling and pushing the same content live again on at a different time zone, at a different day, definitely helps you to get a lot more views and a lot more engagement. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, and like my personal use with scheduler was around holidays because I chose to be off this this uh, December, like past December, just to spend some time uh, with family for Christmas and all this amazing festive activities. And I felt really bad because Friday lives were not happening. So I picked my two favorite episodes, actually four, I think I ran two at uh, two a day at different times. And I just scheduled them and people could rewatch them. I was very clear that those are replays. So people who want to comment won't feel left out that we're not you know, responding or ignoring their comments. So it's very important when you're scheduling to make sure that people understand that this is a scheduled pre-recorded live, not, not happening in real time. But uh, yeah, it was great because, you know, I, I already had content, people had something to watch and I didn't feel bad about not being, not being checked in during the holidays. So definitely a little, little life experience out there for you to explore. For sure. And I forgot to even mention that. Yes, you can actually do pre-recorded live with the same piece of content multiple times. And I remember in late 2019, I had the, you know, I just launched my documentary on Amazon Prime 
And I wanted just to, I didn't want to share the entire, you know, all five episodes, but I used one episode um, with Sarah Cooper, actually, because, you know, she was really picking up steam. And so I shared our interviews on Saturday, I think at noon Standard Time, two to three weeks in a row. And it was really interesting that the people who didn't catch it the first time were watching it, you know, when the second time around. And uh, automation, automation is so important for content creators who don't have a, like an entire agency backing them up. You know, you don't have infinite time on your hand. I just feel like we need to respect ourselves as a platform, uh, you know, as basically the original signal to get more done and um, really grateful for Restream. So I don't want to wait till the very end of this uh, conversation to address something that everybody has been asking me about uh, for content creators out there. You see, this is maybe a segment I'll cut out and like re-release as another uh, video, uh, which is how sponsorship works. I am, by the way, I'm a micro-influencer. I have a little short of 15,000 subscribers on YouTube. Some of you may be thinking like, uh, what, what is she getting? Like any views at all? Um, so uh, subscriber count is one thing. I do have somewhat substantial amount of views, but Restream found me when I was only, I think, few thousand subscribers or so. Um, Ayan, could you tell us a bit about like how you or Restream find creators in the space? Like who do you look for? What what are you looking for personality tone wise? Yeah, so we do have um, now when I started at first, it was very you know, like manual and medieval way of finding people. It was basically me just kind of scouting internet and looking at YouTube videos, putting the keywords in and kind of trying to understand like who who are the people who are reviewing uh, streaming technology? That was my first kind of idea. Like, okay, if, if you're talking about cameras, lights, and microphones, and streaming equipment, you might be good for, for us and review Restream as, as one of the software tools. Then just general gear reviewers. And then when as, as we started to move forward with studio product and kind of like catering to marketers, social media strategists, entrepreneurs, kind of like that that area of people. I was also looking for just people who talk about how to do live videos, how to do digital marketing. And, mm-hmm. and those were kind of like two categories that I was looking, looking at. Um, well, fast forward to now, of course, we have a lot more teammates on uh, at Restream and there are certain automations that are going. So we're constantly kind of searching and scouting multiple platforms at this time. We're looking at LinkedIn Live Talk Voices. We're looking at YouTubers that are creating relevant content based on our keywords. And of course, we're also looking at Facebook groups and pages, see where people kind of aggregate to talk about live streaming and possibilities around them. And we look at the leaders and the, the, the top voices there. And of course, we then start the conversations. And yeah, we are big on diversity. We try to make sure that we cover different industries because live streaming is a solution for churches as much as it is for gamers or entrepreneurs or fitness trainers or mm-hmm. financial advisors, right? There's so many different things and, and areas that we cover as a tool. So we try to talk to people in different industries and also bring people from different backgrounds because we believe that perspectives and different um, kind of like positions where you're coming from are very helpful in terms of us delivering our important message, which is everyone can be a live streamer. Mm, Love that message. And for those of you who are watching live right now, feel free to drop a comment. And if you watch this afterward, I usually always scrub and just make sure I find all the questions. And so I am, when you talk about diversity and, you know, people creating content, trying to stand out, I think a lot of the content creators, the up and coming ones, and they're building their channel, they're getting monetized on YouTube, for example, or 
they have a monetized uh, podcast channel. I was wondering, do you uh, approach both YouTubers as well as podcasters, what bloggers even? Like, what are some of the, the things that Rishi was looking into? Yeah, so I personally oversee primarily video content, and uh, I am a big believer that live video can be repurposed in all of those things. Mm -hmm. So I want to tell people that I work with that start with live video or add on with live video to what you're doing, and then everything else is going to come as well. So if you are live streaming and if you're using tools, like very simple tools like Descript, for example, or Anchor that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. the live video like this one that we're doing today can be immediately, just in a couple of hours of your editing time, repurposed into a blog post because Descript actually does the transliteration for you and everything we said can become kind of like a, an article interview, which is great for your blogs. You can repurpose this in a podcast. You can also use Again, tools like Descript in, in order to create short clips, just like a little video for your social, for your Twitter, for your LinkedIn, maybe a little audiogram where you found some very insightful piece and you just want to put the picture of your guest and like do this little audio effect around it and the captions, the closed captions that people can just get like follow along as they're scrolling through their social media feeds. So there are a lot of things that you can do from that point when you created that live stream. So that's what we are mainly looking for. Podcasts are great and we do constantly consider like different brand awareness things. But most of the time, my number one goal is to connect with people who are either live streaming already or thinking about adding that element to their to their core content because that's what we are, that's what we do. And that's the easiest thing for us to partner on because if you're live streaming, it's easy to offer what we are offering to your communities. For sure. I'm going to sidetrack real quick. I just remember, Anya, you recently spoke at um, a, a podcast. Is it Podcast Movement or a different event? Podfest. Podfest, yeah, yeah, that was the podcast one, yeah. Right, you you spoke to um the topic that you use is how to use live streaming to increase podcast sponsorships related to sponsorships. Could you, uh, since I couldn't make it, um, so could you tell us a bit of like what what that means and how podcasters here could be thinking about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so I really wanted to build that conversation around sponsorship is because that's kind of one of the biggest pain points for all podcasters, right? Like, okay, I have content, I have all this stuff, like, how do I monetize? How do I make this time and effort that I'm putting into this worthy? And uh, a lot of people are struggling with that because there is no, so to say, a book text that gives you the steps and tells you exactly how to get there. And of course, everyone's journey is different. So I wanted to focus on that from, again, from our perspective as a brand and how we want to collaborate with podcasters and like what can, that can give to those creators. So an interesting thing about podcasters is that they are pretty much already live streamers minus one thing, and that's your camera. So they have everything else except for the cam. They have the mic, they have the audio equipment, they have the abilities to edit their content. They have the content itself, because if they have been writing podcasts, it means that they have a topic and they have the audience, those people who download those podcasts. So all they need to do is to add that camera. And then what allows them to, to do is first amplify their reach because they probably as podcasters, as professionals, as individuals, build those communities on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter already. And by adding live streaming to their podcasting content, they immediately activate that community. So all of a sudden, except for people who find them through downloads or whatever people get podcasts, all of a sudden people can find them on 
all the social platforms. And I've seen big, big podcasters do that recently, especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Some NPR hosts like Guy Raz is a good example. He was just, you know, how I build this podcast. That was his thing. And now mm-hmm. he's also live on Facebook. He's live on a bunch of different platforms. So that's just an amplifier right there. And then when you think about sponsorships, what does the sponsor want? There are two things that they want from you. Number one is they want the reach. They want to access your audience and unlock those potential leads for, for their uh, products. And number two, they want conversions. They want those people to be convinced that the, or the product or the offering that you have for them is worthy of, of the money that, that we're asking. And also it's going to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. So when you as a podcaster come to a brand and say, hey, I have this podcast and we have this downloads and like this, this are our numbers. That's a good message. But when you come in and say, hey, by the way, I can build different packages for you. I can do the podcast only, or I can toss in live video. And then the same content is going to go live on social. I can tag you. I can tag your LinkedIn stuff. I can tag your Facebook page and everything you need. So you get more exposures, you get more leads, and you can actually follow up and come in and comment on the on the interview that I did featuring you and mentioning you. And that for sponsors is extremely attractive. So that was that was kind of the conversation that by saying, hey, I'm not just a podcaster, but I'm also a live streamer, you amplify your audience and you also make yourself much more attractive to those people who are writing the checks for brand awareness. I'm so glad you're bringing that uh, last point. I felt like you read my mind as leading into my next question. It's a lot of the uh, creators that I work with, I speak with, um, they don't fully understand the relationship that it has to be a two-way street. Um, And I I love that about um, the way that I work with Restream as well. It's not like every single video needs to be integrated. I need to be talking about Restream and shouting at everybody to sign up. It has to be that kind of seamless, authentic integration that I need to be a user. Um, But I love the fact that a lot of creators neglect the fact that just because you have a thriving YouTube channel doesn't mean that you you need to forget about the rest of your social reach. Um, for me, for example, I have, I think, nearly around 4,000 followers on LinkedIn. I'm actually going live on LinkedIn at the moment. And that, you know, can help the brand uh, or your interview guests to reach that ad- additional audience, um, you know, and then shout it. Also, tagging Restream, tagging the brand is also a very important so this is great, Anya. What about in terms of the operational stuff? What's really important to a sponsor or a brand? Um, the the communication aspect of things, the reliability that people actually deliver what they say or they're going to deliver um, that, yeah, in that arena. Yeah, those are very critical points. When we think about partnering with somebody, of course, the number one, kind of like the entry point is understanding their audience, how relevant their viewers and uh, followers are to what we are offering. Of course, we primarily work with people who are catering to creators themselves. Restream Mm -hmm. is kind of an interesting product. We are not, so to say, completely like consumer product. We're not shoes, you know, or purses. You have to be a little bit creative. You have to be a, a producer or video creator yourself in order to be able to use us. So when you're working with prosumers, of course, the relevance is super important. So sponsoring channels that are catering to that community is the number one thing that we're looking for. But definitely the very close next thing is um, is the ability of that influencer or partner to deliver on our key results and uh, key goals, right? Like So we think about what is our goal in terms of conversion? What is our goal in terms of viewership? And uh, the delivery of that is something that we track religiously. We always look for 
for growth. We want to see those trends. Like you mentioned uh, earlier, we started with about three, 4,000 subscribers on your end. Now you're at 15,000. So that's great. That shows that you're growing, you're constantly developing, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying, you're thriving. So that's a healthy growth that we are always looking for. And then in terms of reliability, of course, it is very difficult to work with people who say, hey, we're going to create this videos for you. And then they don't because that kind of like offsets our whole system of like what we're expecting content wise. And we have our KPIs as well internally. So we got to deliver a certain amount of videos and mentions and impressions and all that stuff. So definitely reliability. If you are an aspiring creator and looking for sponsorships should be your priority. And remember that it's super important. And of course, we'll talk about that more during the sponsorship uh, focused episode. Remember that your first two weeks, maybe a month of, of relationship with a brand is super important. That's the most important part, because guess what? You won't have the second chance to make the first impression. And the first months, people will look very carefully in terms of what you're delivering. So make sure whatever you committed to in the first months, you're delivering and over-delivering there. Mm, The over-delivering is absolutely true. And uh, the first month is actually very labor and I would say mentally intensive for both the brand and the individual. Um, There are contracting involved. Uh, You're talking about the initial video. Some of the brands usually, from what I can tell, um, this is not me speaking on behalf of Restream, but my experience has been, hey, how about you do a shout out video? That means just a video mention. But hey, we want to see what else you can do. Could you do a integrated video, um, which is about, you know, you're talking about the brand. You're maybe comparing the app with something else. Um, So you, you definitely want to over deliver and be very clear. And and Anya, I remember back in the day, I think nearly a year ago at this point that you and I had uh, Google Docs where we shared, um, I would say that, hey, here's how we plan out additional video topics. What are your thoughts? Um, Was that helpful to you? Have you seen other mechanisms that creators used with you that was like, wow, this really saved me time as a influence marketing manager? Yeah, there's definitely, uh, there are definitely a lot of platforms and tools that kind of like help you manage that load. Uh, we're, we're using very basic ones. I believe we're using Typeform just to collect the sponsored pieces. And then we have some automation that we built internally that allows us to automatically ca- calculate, like, is this, is this mm-hmm. according to the contract? Is this what the influencer is supposed to be delivering? What is the viewer count and that stuff? And there are probably more sophisticated ways to do it, like more like tools that are even more and precise and specific about what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But definitely, uh, if you before you know what, before you scale all this stuff, definitely don't get too hooked up with this whole like, oh gosh, like what kind of tools do I need? Like don't, don't lose it and just start with a spreadsheet because a lot of times the most important thing is just get started, mm-hmm. test it, make sure that your MVP works. Mm-hmm. And then once that happens, then you can definitely figure out like what you can automate, what you can scale. So spreadsheet works fine at first. And then later on, you might build on. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one thing Anya was going to share with you as well is something I noticed with trends and things that work really well, including sponsor videos, is about breaking down longer videos. Because for, I mean, this message may be a little more targeted towards YouTubers out there, but I noticed for a while, it's about, oh, your videos needs to be more than 10, 11 minute long. So you can have mid-rolls. I mean, this is kind of the livelihood of being a creator, getting paid through ads, through sponsors. But lately, I noticed that um, if you look at the watch time, a lot of the videos are actually only watched, you know, 
30%, up to 50% on the good video. So some of the core stuff, um, you know, more advanced techniques are just unfortunately getting neglected. People are never going to get there. Um, so I'm lately experimenting with short playlists. So um, for example, if I want to show Restream 2021, all the new features, I'm going to create a separate playlist. And I know some of the influencers I Restream are doing exactly that. So now part one, part two, three, all of a sudden, uh, the same exact same video, 15 minute long, you're cutting it down to two to three minute a piece. The watch time is going up significantly. And I thought that is a great way to over deliver for your sponsor, you know, buying one video, but you're actually delivering a playlist, but also actually helps you as a creator as well. I just want to share that with you. It's uh, yeah. delightful. The yeah. short content is great. I mean, it's always, uh, it will always cater to people who have short attention span and who just simply are super busy. So yeah. being concise is super important. It's, it, it doesn't sound, it kind of sounds counterintuitive, but to create a two minute informative video is harder than to create a 15 minute video because with 15 minutes, you have so much room and, you know, you can kind of like take your time and go over things and be a little bit redundant. With two minutes or especially 30 seconds, if that's kind of your, your goal, you really have to think it through. And that's the exercise that I did on LinkedIn was my 90 seconds when I had to show a feature within a minute and a half. And that was my limit. That was it. So yeah, some features are super easy to show like background. Yeah, you can show it in five seconds, but right. certain things are a little bit more complex. So you have to figure out like what in your flow is essential and what can be left out in order to still keep that impression of like, you know, what you're doing and it, it's helpful. It, it makes sense to people. So sure. yeah, shorts, shorts are good. Yeah, shorts are good. I remember I, there a couple of times you said, Faye, could you talk about this feature of Restream? And I remember recording videos like, oh, I just, it's super easy to use, first of all, user-friendly. And it literally took me two to three minutes. And part of me is like, I think this video is too short, but it's actually very effective. People love when you get to the point. Um, people love the titles, including how to get X, Y, Z and done within three minutes. So um, this is great. I, and to respect your time, I promise I'll let you go. Um, and, uh, yeah. So is there anything that you want to say I haven't covered? We do have a follow-up session on May 6th. Everybody, if you want interested in sponsorship, please, please come back during that session. Um, sign up for my newsletter. I'll let you know uh, more about the details as well. But yeah, Anya, how do people find out more about Restream? Sign up link is below. There's a free version that you can use for a long time. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, free, Restream free plan is not a trial, as a lot of people think. And it's not some kind of a temporary thing. You can use Restream for free forever. Yes, it will limit your abilities in, in certain ways and it will not unlock the branding or recordings, a lot of like really cool advanced features. But in order to just get started and giving it a try and see if this works for you and your community, that's a great solution right there. So I guess my last words would definitely be give it a try, get out of your comfort zone, try going live, maybe just do it for your personal Facebook profile, which is free or your personal YouTube channel, just just get a feel and taste of it. And and then think about planning that on, on the bigger scale for your brand, for your for your product, for your company. So yeah, and I guess we'll see you next next time in May to talk to, for really deep dive into sponsorships and collaborations with brand and how that could look for you. That's great. Uh, May 6th at noon, 12 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. If you guys include any sponsorship related questions, I'll be sure to kind of capture that ahead of us going live again. Thank you so much, Anya. I'm going to take us off live stream now. Bye, guys.
This episode of the Face Royal podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC, our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship to people who want to tell better stories, level up, and create a profitable brand. Face World podcast team, our chief editor and producer, Herman Ceballos, associate producer, Adam Leffert, social media and content manager, Rose DeLeon, transcript editor, Alina Ahmedova, and lastly, myself, the creator and host of Face World. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.